this is Web3 Talks, the podcast where we learn how to build Web3 projects directly from Web3 founders. My name is Maciej Budkowski and I talk with the founders about their projects, business models, technology, community building, user acquisition strategies, and more. If you want to start your own project or are just curious about the space, this podcast will bring you answers. Stay tuned. Before we start this episode, I want to just make a small announcement that our podcast has a Discord community and I will share a week-long Discord invitation on our Twitter and my own Twitter so people can join if they want to discuss things that we discuss here or, or maybe they have some questions related to blockchain, web free, crypto or whatever. Yeah, and hello, hello Nitish. I am very pleased to see you here. Hi, hi Magic. The pleasure is mine. As we talked before this recording, like I took a look at your tool and we will definitely talk a lot about it today. But before we get to that, I would like to ask you to tell a little bit about yourself, like what's your background, what are your tech-related experiences so far? Sure. So for the viewers, my name is uh, Nitish and I graduated uh, with a degree in chemical engineering in 2016 mm. and realized, you know, chemical engineering wasn't for me. So I moved on to management consulting, worked for a few years there. And uh, that was when I first got introduced to the startup world. I was consulting with uh, a government in India on how they can attract uh, new startups to their city. And by that time, I was also disillusioned by management consulting and wanted to, you know, get my hands <laughs> dirty building stuff. And mm-hmm. I think uh, mid-2019 was when I jumped into the startup world, built a few products since then. Some didn't take off, some are doing decently well. So I think the first one we built was phone post. It was like a voice messaging application like WhatsApp, but uh, with focus on just, you know, voice and regional Indian languages, because we noticed not many mm-hmm. people can type that fast and that great in English. So they resort to just sharing photos and videos. Mm -hmm. So that was our first product. And uh, then we built another called 360 Katas. It's a 360 degree feedback tool built on top of Slack. And one thing we noticed while building these products, right, was that the best feedback or the best inputs always came from outside our team because There's only so much talent within the team, right? People have solved so many Mm -hmm. other problems and are across the world. When we just told our networks about some of the challenges we were facing, they just solved our problems like that. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, which audio format to use in phone posts, right? For the optimal speech to text uh, Mm -hmm. listening versus the size of the audio format itself. Things like that. We didn't have to research ourselves and figure out the whole thing again. Uh, Somebody who's already done it, been there, done that, just pointed us to the right Mm -hmm. tool and bam, uh, we've probably moved a few weeks in a few days. That's when we realized, hey, like when you build in public or when you involve your network and involve people outside your team, you're probably increasing your odds of moving faster or your odds of success. And that was actually the route for why we started building out uh, BIP. Okay. Yeah. And like, you know, I tried out BIP uh, before our meeting and My first thought was that it's like Notion for people who don't know Notion. It's like a very popular knowledge slash project management tool now because you could create documents, you could link them, you could create tasks and so on. 
but I've noticed some different features there. So could you tell us a little bit about differences between Notion and BIP? Yeah, I think uh, at a fundamental level, what you said is true. It's similar to Notion in that you can create documents, you can comment, you can iterate on them. But it's uh, built different from the ground up in that I would say Notion is probably looking at itself like a full-fledged no-code tool and targeting teams maybe Mm -hmm. more. We wanted to build something that's more open in terms of can we allow a place where I can collaborate with the community, with people who I don't know to come and iterate on my documents, Mm -hmm. right? And that meant, and we took a parallel from the tech world, right? Where everybody collaborates on Git. So you said, what if we marry a Git-like workflow onto rich text documents? Mm -hmm. So that's how it's built uh, different from the ground up. So we have like a Git workflow, Git kind of version control system on top of our documents and Our focus is community. So we are focusing on, let's say, a deep integration with Discord. So we can manage permissions right from Discord itself. Like, let's say you have a Discord server and you probably have roles for different users. You can give those roles specific permissions to documents on BIP. And it always stays in Mm. sync. Like as more users get added, they get access to those documents automatically on BIP. When you remove them, they lose access. So we're focusing more on that integration because a large uh, chunk of communities now are on Discord and we don't want them to, you know, manage their community here, then come to BIP and every day manually add members onto their BIP. (laughs) So things like that, I think that's something that our users are loving, the deep integration with Discord. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I noticed, it's a small thing, but pretty significant is that you can add like emojis and so like many reactions inside the tool. And it's nice because it gives this more community-like experience. And also, as far as I understand, you can track who has done what. So like in Notion, you're adding things anonymously, like because you are part of the team, it doesn't matter that much, but when you have 3,000 people, uh, you know, doing, working on one document, it's pretty important to track who has done what. Also, if you want to, you know, give them some tokens for their contributions. Exactly. Actually, that's what we are working on now because contribution and you know, their attribution is very important to us. I mean, not just to track who's doing what, but to manage their reputation in the system as well, right? Based on what mm-hmm. you're contributing and how much you're contributing. People need to value uh, your skill or value your time spent in the document. So we're focusing on that uh, currently. Wow, that's uh, pretty interesting. So like, I can really tell that you are very passionate about building in public. So could you tell a little bit about differences between building in public and building in a more standard way, like how you experienced mm, these two modes? Got it. So I would say building in public probably takes multiple forms, like a bunch of people do it just for marketing to get their initial set of users. While we adopt a different approach, we are more like, hey, it's like just building with an open door, right? Allow your network to come see what you're up to. If they have anything to share, allow them to, you know, just contribute back to you. Or worst case, you're just inspiring a new generation of builders by showing them how things get built. So that's the kind of build in public approach we take. So which is why, like, if you've noticed, if you looked at our 
workspace on BIP itself. All our documents are public, mm-hmm. our PRDs, what we are up to. So anybody can come see if they have something to share, they do that. If they just want to passively consume, they can do that. If they want to just get inspired, great. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of approach we've been taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is kind of like open source type of thinking. I don't think it's that present in outside of computer science world. Like at least it wasn't 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice that you brought that up. I'm sorry to interject you. Mm-hmm. Actually, when we started out BIP, right, uh, while we adopted the name Build in Public, the root idea was that it was, hey, there's open source for computer science folks, for coders to just go contribute to cool projects around the world. What's the equivalent for other professions, right? Like, okay, I mean, to start with, let's say adjacent professions like product managers or marketers in the tech field itself. Can I find cool, awesome projects and just get started? I mean, just get working on them on the side. And where's the platform for that? That's how we started BIP. And then we realized, I mean, that's why we named it BIP because uh, it's aligned so well with Build in Public. And then we realized, hey, there's another set of entities that's, thinking and doing exactly this, which is DAOs. And now our entire focus has moved on to enabling DAOs build in this way. Yeah. And like, what's your vision for DAOs? Like, how do you feel that, you know, how you feel that BIP puzzle can fit inside this bigger DAOs landscape that's growing super fast? Hmm. So like we want BIP to be the workspace where DAOs, you know, first get started on like probably we're all used to whenever we have a startup idea or we have a thought we're used to going to either a google doc or a notion and just jotting down your first points right we want mm-hmm. to be that place where whoever wants to just get started with a DAO comes here and puts their initial ideas out there and publishes it to the community and sees how uh, where it goes right like we want this to the be the place where DAOs and contributors can find each other Like today, it's mostly DAOs coming in with their own set of contributors. But over time, we want some sort of cross-pollination. Let's say folks from one DAO find some other great projects and start contributing there. Or DAOs Mm -hmm. find other great contributors from other DAOs and get them on board. So we want to be the workspace for DAOs. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the biggest blockers to implement this kind of tools? Because like I'm part of two or maybe three DAOs so far. And I feel like Google Docs is like the default tool, at least for the early stages. Then most people try either Notion, sometimes Trello, which is not a good idea in my opinion. But what do you think can block or, or blocks because you, I guess, experienced some discussions with, with DAO teams so far? Yeah, so like you said, the default so far uh, is Google Docs or notion so i think the biggest blocker for us so far has been migration right if somebody's already started and invested their time in setting up a tool and all their data is there it's just a hassle to move everything to another tool Mm -hmm. so that has been a big blocker so we're trying to find ways to reduce the barrier there you know maybe have like a programmatic migration from notion to bip things like that but to be honest there's also one other blocker not really with respect to Google Docs, but with respect to Notion, right? With uh, 
some of its project management capabilities with DB views and the Kanban view mm-hmm. and all of that. I think DAOs are also doing some amount of project management there, which today is not possible on BIP. And that has been a little bit of a blocker. So we've seen uh, some DAOs just move their content and collaboration piece here while they kept, you know, let's say the published content and project management parts in Notion itself. So that has been a little bit of a blocker, but uh, the way we are looking at it currently is, hey, project management on Notion is there, but it's probably not purpose-built for DAOs. The way DAOs operate today, right, in seasons and guilds and giving out bounties for specific tasks and that incentive model, all of that is not deeply integrated into Notion and uh, That's the other big chunk we are trying to solve for DAOs. Mm. Like, can we try to have that kind of project management purpose built for the ways DAOs operate in BIP itself, along with a strong reputation system? Mm -hmm. And how do you convince DAOs when you talk with them? Because I've seen that Super Team DAO joined you, like, like, I I don't know, like two weeks ago. And this is like a pretty big project, how you made them use BIP. So um, <laughs> primarily, like in our first demo, right, we try to focus on where we are different from Notion and how it helps uh, DAOs. And uh, based on all my discussions, at least, right, most DAOs acknowledge that Google Docs or Notions is suboptimal today, especially because it's not that, I mean, I see a few challenges. One is like, if you want to keep it closed in the sense permission to see who's coming in and who's contributing, then Notion quickly blows up in terms of cost because once you start inviting people, you have to pay a per month per user basis. Mm -hmm. Google Docs lacks the project management capabilities of Notion. So uh, there are some challenges there. And like just manually adding everybody and managing permissions is a big hassle if you want to do it that way. So a bunch of DAOs just made their workspace public. So they said, hey, I'll take a personal plan on Notion and just make it public. Anybody can come and edit. Mm -hmm. And they're okay with somebody going wild and just doing a control A delete because, hey, I can always go back to the version history and try to restore it. Mm -hmm. It's better than, you know, spending an hour or two on managing permissions every day. So they're already making all these compromises on Google Docs and Notion that we are aware of and that we are solving with our Git-like workflow and our integration with Discord since they're already on Discord. So those are the two points we pitched to them saying, hey, you want a kind of flow where anybody can contribute, but it's still moderated. Our Git flow enables that. And you want your community to get access to it, but you don't want to spend like hours and hours every day in manually adding and removing people. Our Discord integration already does that. So come on board for these two things and we are building out loads of other cool stuff that will help you do project management better and contributor attribution better. So that's been our pitch. <laughs> okay. And, and how you generate leads or like, I, I don't know if it's the name for in this case, but... You know, do you just like go around different Discord channels and address uh, people from DAOs or is there any other way that you do it? Got it. So far, it's mostly been through word of mouth. We haven't been actively, you know, doing any sales or marketing efforts. So in fact, our first, the first DAO we acquired was through word of mouth from another user. That's when we realized, hey, this actually makes so much sense for DAOs. 
so currently like it's mostly been through word of mouth like folks contributing to DAOs are contributing to multiple DAOs so when a DAO that they're in adopts BIP and they like it they tend to go to other DAOs and say hey this is a tool that we can use so that's been the most common form of acquisition and otherwise like we're all part of our entire team is also part of multiple DAOs and uh, that's also to learn from users and learn from DAOs in terms of how they operate so that it feeds back into our product but whenever we see an opportunity there like we see somebody discussing their problems with documentation or something we try to pitch in and say hey why don't you <laughs> take a look at this <laughs> yeah that's mostly how we've been acquiring most of our focus has been and is still on the product mm-hmm. and how it's possible that your product is free <laughs> so we are looking at alternative models of monetization so one parallel i always like to think of is hey um there's slack which is not free per se and then there's discord which is free but they have other models of monetization that allows allows them to keep it free for communities right we're thinking okay can we be that discord to notion <laughs> right mm-hmm. a free alternative where we find alternative uh, models of monetization we have a few ideas but haven't implemented any yet let's uh, mm-hmm. our goal is you know just find some user love get some stickiness with DAOs then we can figure out a way that's not like subscription based we are never going to go to DAOs and say hey you have 10000 users now pay 10000 into 3 or 4 dollars a month <laughs> yeah okay and and i've seen your discord channel and although it's not like super big because it's like 100 something people at least mm-hmm. i've seen so many online but it's pretty active so how do you take care of the community what do you do to make it active <laughs> yeah we recently opened up our uh, discord server where so we are still figuring out the playbook for how to you know keep our community engaged but i think as a principle we try to take any feedback and bugs or anything shared by the community or any user there very seriously so we circle back on each and everything and we prioritize those bugs or enhancements in the roadmap so that's our way of keeping our users and community happy that you know they're being listened to mm-hmm. that's the primary thing the other is most of the folks we have are also interested in learning about web3 getting their hands dirty in daos and all mm-hmm. so we try to enable some opportunities like let's say we are working on project management for daos so we said hey we are planning to talk to you know 10 or 20 daos to figure out how they operate if anybody's interested in doing this research with us just join us mm-hmm. so that way we are giving out opportunities to learn for uh, some of our users and uh, yeah that's how <laughs> we try to keep them engaged okay so you really co-create with them your your product is co-created with the community yep okay and what were the biggest tech challenges so far that you faced mm. what was the problem from the tech side got it i would say the biggest uh, challenge which of course is still ongoing and we're always optimizing for it is mm-hmm. enabling that git like workflow for a rich text kind of document right mm-hmm. i think uh, i think a few things were very important to us in that let's say somebody rearranges content in a document mm-hmm. if we had gone the regular way whoever just touches let's say i move some contribution some block from the last place to the first place in a document then suddenly that gets attributed to me if we go the regular git way right but 
we didn't want that to happen like we wanted contribution attribution to be perfect so ensuring like all of those are taken care of like if i just move things around it's still attributed to the person who last edited or wrote it and uh, ensuring positions don't go for a toss when we have this kind of a flow when multiple people come and add content in between how do i ensure that positions don't go for a toss now that we have this flow where each block is this thing by itself so some of those i think just ensuring that git workflow works really great for uh, you know rich text document that has been the biggest challenge yeah and and also you prevent kind of hacking the this contribution system because i can imagine bad actors that will just try to come just like in corporations you know there are people that do nothing but they want to take <laughs> all the glory so <laughs> i guess like you know in daos there will be these people because people are people like there are different types so i guess some of them might join daos and and try to look for this kind of hacking the system so i am glad that you are so sensitive about it <laughs> yeah 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 i mean while it's not perfect we're always iterating and that's a priority to us because like a strong and properly designed incentive or reputation model goes a long way for daos mm. and do you use or recommend any tools for daos apart from bip just anything to to make it easier to to manage mm. So to be honest I'm probably not the best person <laughs> to share that advice because we are okay. still not like a full fledged DAO in that we don't have our own token or tokenomics. I'm sure there are a bunch of tools that help with governance like I've seen snapshot being used a lot but otherwise I'm not the best judge because we don't, we have a lot of missing pieces for ourselves too. So currently we just use bip for documentation and discord for community and everything else. Okay. And one question that came to my mind is that you know if I was this cynical person and wanted to attack the concept of DAOs I would say okay but you're giving tasks to people that you are you're not aware of their skills like you don't know how well they can deliver because like in computer science it's pretty like zero one like either you know you see the code you know whether someone's good coder but when it comes to more soft ideas like product management you don't know how this person does the customer interviews because you're not there or when it comes to marketing also you may not know how this person does that so how can DAOs you know make sure that the person that got task is not doing more harm than good actually yeah Yeah, I think that's a very critical piece and that's probably going to be make or break for DAOs if you ask me. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure a bunch of people across the world are trying to solve this problem, but uh, like what we need is like proof of expertise or a reputation kind of a system preferably on chain so that it's open mm -hmm. and anybody can read into it. But essentially like the way we are looking at it is at BIP at least like all your contributions we want to create a profile out of it that people can look through to see not just where you've contributed but what those exact contributions are mm -hmm. and once you see the kind of contributions you get a feel for uh, you know the kind of skill a person has okay and uh, mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot of it is still like vague in our heads we're just forming ideas around it pitching it to people trying to see where it takes us but i think it's necessary 
like uh, irrespective of whether we do it on bip or we do it like an as an on chain thing or whatever that system is i think it's necessary mhm yes yeah, so actually it's more much more transparent than normal recruitment process because like when you get a you know resume from someone you see oh i've done project x i've done project y i've done project z but you have no idea what this person has done there and typically people try to say that they've done like 5x more or something like i remember one friend that like, she worked in this big multinational corporation and <laughs> they had a meeting in miami and you know they were just interns but on this like you know management trainee program or something like that so they were saying oh what you have done and oh i've done some workshops for people yeah I, i've done some small projects and one guy comes and says i saved 27 million dollars for our company and everyone was like oh my god yeah oh my god how have you done it and you know when they started digging in it turned out that this guy actually just forwarded five emails and you know took part in one meeting and said almost nothing but you know he was able to to twist the things in his favor but if you could track the contributions then it will be impossible and will be much more transparent for for people and also for people who don't have this pedigree like you know people who have graduated from Harvard or Stanford or went to McKinsey or Google or whatever like there are many talented folks that haven't gone this uh, yeah i would say like traditional pedigree path but they cannot show their work because it's in their company so it's you know behind the closed doors yeah yeah actually just the other day we had this discussion uh, within our team where we were saying hey like think of this like a linkedin where you go and not just see where they were and like what they say they did but the actual contributions that led to it mm-hmm. like you just go to a person you see their profile you know were their exact contributions and that'll be super cool yeah yeah and even like i can imagine that you know i don't think dows will like take over the world that like there will be only dows in the world but you know you can work in one company and just be part of dow in your free time and you have this kind of you know portfolio of your contributions and even if you want to change work from normal company like llc to another llc you can just show this contribution as a way of enhancing your application true yep absolutely i haven't thought about it before but it's really really intriguing <laughs> okay so i have three i might say can't questions that are in every episode mm-hmm. so the question number one is what's the most mind blowing web3 project that you have seen so far hmm okay <laughs> that's a tough one so i wouldn't say mind blowing but i can share a few that i've really connected with mhm so one is orchid it's like a web3 vpn service where anybody can give out their laptops to the vpn so anybody can connect through to the internet through your laptop mhm so that i thought was really interesting because i'm a regular user of VPN and thought hey this is interesting it has def i mean it definitely has a bunch of issues like how do you trust the <laughs> yeah. person to not <laughs> do anything yeah. with uh, what uh, you're browsing but uh, yeah i mean i thought that was an interesting concept then there's fractional i think it tries to fractionalize uh, buying of nfts mhm 
I thought that's interesting because of late, like if we look at the best or, you know, the most popular NFTs, right? They're beyond the means of a retail buyer, at least retail buyers who are just coming in into mm -hmm, the crypto world, right? So I thought that's interesting because it'll allow you to, you know, probably buy a part of a really popular NFT. Mm -hmm. Then what else? Actually, just yesterday I saw a concept. I don't even know its name. Somebody built out an app where you could you can unlock a car door based on ownership of a specific ENS domain. Mm, wow, that's intriguing. So that just got me thinking like, hey, I mean, this is the power of having a shared global database, right? Uh, you can build anything on top of it. Previously, like one company owned it and nobody else could build on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that felt really cool. And another interesting project is cooperative. So they're trying to build an incentive model for, you know, companies, but instead of like, it's not really a token token per se, you just mint something called a contribution credits that's backed by a legal agreement in which you say, hey, once the project reaches this milestone, these credits will just convert to an equivalent dollar value or whatever. So that way you can mm -hmm. pay upfront and only actually pay up when the project reaches a certain milestone. So I thought that concept was interesting. Mm -hmm. These are some of the projects. I really like this connection between ENS domains and physical world. Yeah. It really shows how wallet is not a wallet. I don't really like this name because it's more like your internet profile. Like, you know, in the long run, you can have everything connected to that. And, and the fact that you can log in with that to different services. Like when I first done that, I was like, so I don't need to create an account. Like there's no login with Google. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when you open, for example, Uniswap and you see that you just click connect your wallet and you swap and it's done. This is mind blowing how smooth can UX become. Yeah. This is amazing. True. The first time I did login with uh, MetaMask, I was like, what? It's done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what's the funnest thing that you experienced or have seen so far in, in, in the web-free world? Something that made you smile or even laugh out loud? <laughs> Not really sure. But when I first learned, probably it was about Dogecoin. When I first learned that it was actually built as a meme that, you know, anybody can build a coin and that, you know, it doesn't have any value, mm -hmm. but it ended up becoming <laughs> valuable. Yeah. That was sort of funny. Like, I didn't know that, you know, it was built as a shit coin that, you know, hey, crypto's uh, not really going to take off because anybody can create a coin. And then suddenly that takes off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, it gets me laugh when I learned that the founder of Dogecoin he sold most of his Dogecoins before it was very expensive coin. And he used it to buy used Honda Civic, I guess, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, you know, now, now he would be like a billionaire. The or most a... expensive Honda Civic. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like everyone in crypto has these stories, you know, like whether it's like a Bitcoin pizza, like 
Sometimes when I even pay these gas fees in Ethereum, I feel as if I was buying Bitcoin pizza, like, you know, yeah. 100 bucks for a transaction. And I'm wondering, oh, maybe in five years from now, it will be like 10,000 bucks and, you know, I will feel like an idiot, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I think gas fees are just too high now. It needs to go. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's this kind of <laughs> very crypto friends thing to say, because you know, there are these kind of canned lines that you use whenever you meet someone like, oh, the weather is so good or like, you know, this kind of comments. And in crypto art, it's like, yeah, the gas fees on Ethereum are so high. <laughs> <laughs> it's like universal good icebreaker. <laughs> good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it is like, it was super interesting to talk with you. And I have last question to you. Who do you think I should talk with next? Do you have any any people that you, you think might be a good fit for this kind of conversation? Mm, got it. Not sure if you're already connected to them, but uh, mm -hmm. a startup called Questbook. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked with Madhavan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you already talked to Madhavan. Yeah, I mean, he's a close friend. Yeah, with Madhavan and Rohit. I had two episodes with Madhavan and Rohit from Mesh Finance. Oh, okay. That's great. Then probably... You could probably speak to Jacob of Cooperative mm -hmm. because I think his project is really interesting. I can share the link uh, with you. And uh, it's not like, it's probably like he's taken an approach where he's saying, hey, cash is still valuable, like the fiat currency, mm -hmm. but people can't pay upfront when they just start off a project. So I'm not going to completely say token, but I'm going to have something that's between cash and a token. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So that way I thought it was really... Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think it's like very interesting because many people will not transition to crypto like us, you know, like head, head first. They will need some kind of transitory yep. moment, which can take years. Absolutely. That was what I felt too. And that's why I thought it was interesting. Okay. Okay. So thanks a lot once again and see you in the metaverse <laughs> or on Twitter. <laughs> Thank at you least. so much uh, for having <laughs> me. Anjek, see you. Thank you. Thank you.